Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Just thinking about tomorrow, clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow, till there's none. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello, I'm still alive. (laughs) (laughs) The minor apocalypse has spared Michael Snydell for now, so that's good news. To some people. We also have Bill Graham. Rude. Woo! <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing going on over here. I do have a puppy, though, that uh, I stayed up all night with. A new, a new there's a new four-legged yeah. creature living with you? Oh, yes. What, are you trying to take uh, over my, like, title as the king of having too many pets? <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is where we end. <laughs> yeah, that's what they all say. And today, <laughs> to help us talk about the new film from Amy Semitz. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I tripped over that hard. It's uh, helping us talk about She Dies Tomorrow. It's senior writer for the AV Club, Katie Reif. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name either, to be honest. I, it's one of, it's one of those a, I've only read it words. I, I had a take on it. I, it's I. I have always said Simons. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Simons. That's so. That's what I was going for, but I still somehow tripped over it, oh. which is. <laughs> I, I thought I had been saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> no. Anyway, um. So yes, uh, we are here today to talk about "She Dies Tomorrow," written and directed by Amy Semitz. And uh, before we get into that, the usual rigmarole, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, The Filmstage Show, give us a comment rating on iTunes, email us podcast at filmstage.com. And of course, you can become a patron of this year podcast by going to patreon.com slash the Filmstage Show. For as little as $1 an episode, you get access to our Slack channel where you can chat with people about all kinds of topics that somehow always seem to end up being about politics, even if it's something like food. It still happens. I, I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, one of our people was, or one of our people, one of our patrons was trying flaming hot Cheeto mac and cheese and gave us a rigorous review. So that was actually I, I, awesome. I, I don't even know yes. what to say. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome, but I'm I'm very. He worried like had about a five tier system of like texture, <laughs> flavor, and then he said coolness, and it was Chester out of ten, and I was like, yes. <laughs> This rules. Um, so if you'd like to get in on that, again, it's patreon.com slash the film stage show. Uh, we are also brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming service that features fantastic independent and world cinema, whether it's Thomas classic or a cult favorite or an acclaimed masterpiece. Their films are guaranteed to be something that you love every day. They premiere a new film on their rotating selection. They also have their library now, which is pretty awesome. Uh, I did want to highlight one of the new films they have on their service. It's called She's Beautiful When She's Angry by Mary Dorr. And this is the synopsis. A provocative, rousing, and often humorous account of the birth of the modern women's liberation movement in the late 60s through to its contemporary manifestations in the new millennium, direct from the women who lived it. This looks like a pretty awesome documentary, and it is definitely something that I guess we would call timely. 
So check it out. You can get a free 30-day subscription to movie by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. We... That is a pretty good documentary. I've seen it. <laughs> oh, awesome. I always love it when yeah. someone can actually speak to these directly. Does a good job of setting up the era. Awesome. So yeah, again, mubi.com slash filmstage. And you can check that out as part of your free 30-day subscription. We usually do a little quarantine update. Um, we are on an actual schedule today. <laughs> and we're doing this a day late because Michael Snydell was nearly killed by a storm last night. <laughs> So uh, even though I have so much to talk about, I'm just going to skip over that. Uh, I will, however, say for anyone who was nervous, my daughter and I both tested negative for COVID and we are very happy about that. So that's Glad that. to hear. Yes. <laughs> so, so freaking excited when those came through. <laughs> Jeez. I know it's, it's a world out there. Um, so that's that. Uh, we can now get into our feature review which again is uh, writer-director Amy Semitz's new film, She Dies Tomorrow, which stars Caitlin Scheel, uh, James Adams, and actually a murderer's row of other really great talents that I, having not mm-hmm. looked up this movie at all beforehand, when they showed up, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Is that Chris Messina? Is that Katie Asselson? <laughs> like, what is happening here? Yep, um, yep. yep. And that's not even all. There's more people. There are two other names that are Just going to come wait. up. <laughs> so keep your uh, keep your, your ears peeled. I guess is a thing that I just decided to say. Yeah, um, I hate that. <laughs> yeah, super sorry, guys. Um, this movie is about a woman who is convinced that she is going to die tomorrow. And the uh, unfortunate news for everyone who she tells this to is that it turns out that this paralyzing thought is indeed contagious here is the trailer hi how's the new house good can you come over Uh, i can't are you okay i am going to die tomorrow All right, so that is a section of the trailer for She Dies Tomorrow, the film that we are talking about today that is currently available on VOD. Let's talk about it. Uh, We begin, as always, with our spoiler-free section, and uh, we will defer to our guest for the first nutshell thoughts on this movie. Katie Reif, what are your thoughts on She Dies Tomorrow? Uh, Well, this was a film that I saw out of uh, South by Southwest. So when the quarantine first came down, I was planning on covering South by Southwest as a journalist. But what happened was, uh, uh, you know, there was no South by Southwest because of the quarantine. So I watched this one and I was really struck by, it's always an interesting phenomenon when a film is accidentally timely. When they, when someone, you know, by the time you see a film, the idea probably happened two years ago. You know, it, there, mm-hmm. it's, it was not an intentional tie-in. 
However, I feel that this film, it takes place, uh, it's a small indie production. So uh, Amy Simons, she's also an actor and actually paid for this movie with her salary from her appearance in the film Pet Cemetery. She acted in that film and used the money <laughs> to fund this one. Um, it is just, it's a small film set in a few houses, you know, uh, a few uh, Joshua Tree rental type of locations <laughs> that are very accessible to an indie filmmaker and what I like about it is that it sort of captures this feeling that you get. Um, I'm assuming since we're all movie people that you guys have some experience with anxiety and panic attacks and intrusive thoughts and things like that. And I think it really captures that kind of feeling in a really artistic sort of way. And it's a certain type. Uh, I, I actually don't think that everything has to be labeled horror. I'm pretty ambivalent on uh, genre labeling. But I I think that's the, the kind of horror that it captures. And it's a really interesting film about really going through it and people around you thinking that you're crazy. Which is something that has happened a lot in this quarantine as the maskless hordes invade the beaches. People are looking around being like, am I, am, is it just me? Is, is, is it just me? And I think this film captures that feeling very well. And it also captures the idea of um, anxiety and panic and existential dread as a sort of thought virus that jumps from person to person. All right. Bill Graham. Yeah, so um, I read a book a couple of years ago called Lullaby by Chuck Palahniuk. Oh, I um, hate that book. <laughs> okay, interesting. Uh, I really enjoyed that book. Uh, but, I hated the characters. I think like okay, yeah, yeah. no, the characters are shitheads. And I know uh, that that's, that's what he was going <laughs> for, but I mean, that's I was like, his, his yeah. books. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, that book is basically about a African chant that um, you can just basically say to someone and uh, I think they almost immediately die. Um, and so this becomes kind of uh, one person is tracking down this person, this other person that is using this uh, this ability. Um, it becomes a real interesting uh, kind of idea because like they can't even listen or they can't even talk to each other on the phone like that would you know, obviously be deadly for someone else. And so, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, that's an interesting story that this kind of plays on. I don't know if this was loosely, loosely inspired by that, or if she had ever read it at all or was aware of it, but, um, that's something that immediately made me, uh, you know, think about, uh, when I was watching this film, um, I, it took me a while to really kind of get on this film's wavelength. Um, I have seen quite a few of these uh, smaller budget films that uh, Simons is kind of revolves around and is in or is you know related to in some some general fashion. Um, in fact, one of the directors makes an appearance, if I'm not mistaken, um, in this film, uh, and so. It, it's interesting because I feel like sometimes they bite off more than they chew. Um, and this one, I feel like 
she kept it to within a budget range that was able to be fully realized. Uh, and I appreciated that. Um, I'm, I'm going to save most of my discussion for, uh, or most of my takes, I guess, for the discussion, uh, to be had later on. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I truly enjoyed this film. I was in a very weird headspace when I watched this. Um, I, Eric and I had just gotten a puppy, so, uh, I was, I was pretty, uh, up and in good spirits <laughs> and I watched this movie and I was not in good spirits afterwards. So, so this yeah, is like the uh, opposite of last week when I had to like sit down between COVID tests for me and my daughter and watch first cow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about you a lot, Brian. I was like, man, okay, this is a weird headspace movie. Now I know what Brian's talking about. Um, yeah. Not, not that I didn't know what you were talking about, but it became that much more real. Yeah. So yeah. All right, Michael Snydell. Yeah, you know it was it was kind of interesting because I I got to the, the got to this this weekend and I admired it and thought there were a lot of interesting things in it that I was looking forward to talking about, but I wouldn't say that it was you know completely a success for me. And then I oddly found the next day that I woke up like feeling like you know I was uh, carrying an, an anchor <laughs> you know an albatross ar- around my neck because I, I I think what I what I ultimately like about this film and I, I don't think it, it perfectly works but I like how it's its view of specifically what I um, what I intuit as depression specifically is that it's it's not linear at all in terms of those in terms of those moods. I mean, you have two characters, Caitlin Scheel and uh, Jane Adams, especially, who are experiencing things in in two very opposite ways, which we can get into, and and that does offer you two approaches. But what I ultimately like is I think that there is something that this gets at about depression that's easy to forget that in those moments you're often very self-aware and you're just like, it, it's impossible to not make you feel stupid because you know you're experiencing an episode or experiencing like this deep despair and you know <laughs> that you should get out of it or it doesn't make sense or like yet you can argue or, that you want it. Or that act. it's not real, right? You're like, yes. you're like, oh yeah, this isn't real. It's all in my head, but it, the, it's still like, there's still physical pain that goes with it. Yeah, no, and no, absolutely. But it's that, but I think it really gets across that, uh, that certain, like I, I just, as, as much as some of the characters do things that would seem self-conscious in other situations, I think that this ramps up the absurdity, whether it's this, you know, emotional sensitivity, whether it's this certain the peak emotions that would come from this, the like ways you feel everything, <laughs> even if you don't want to. I, I think the way that it gets across some of that and I would say her previous film, Sun Don't Shine, um, you know, it's it's a much sweatier film, but I still think it gets across that very inexplicable quality of of thinking and being in your head and being afraid of the quiet. But then, when there's 
chaos, that's also its own form of anxiety. I just, um, I guess I haven't really spoken that much about the film, but I just think that the way this represents the textures of emotion um, was less relevant to me in a quarantine sense, but rather uh, being a very good uh, example of depression and anxiety. Less so than things like 444, Last Day on Earth. The thing I was thinking about was like Morvern Kalar, like Lynn Ramsey's films, or uh, or Jacqueline Decker, who I, I believe she's actually uh, good friends with her as well. Um, but either way, I think that um, I don't think it it always works. I think it's just a little bit too gelatinous. Um, but I, I like that it's not willing to settle on a tone of being really dark and then being navel gazy and going, going back and forth. And I, I totally understand why people hate this movie. And I also find it really fascinating, uh, <laughs> that people love this. And, uh, I was talking to a good friend. This is my last thought. I was talking to a good friend and they were saying they found deep, deep comfort in this movie. Uh, and they saw it back at the beginning of quarantine, I think through the same way you did, Katie. Mm-hmm. And um, this was a great emotional anchor for them through quarantine. And when I watched this, I, I, it was so unpleasant. <laughs> for me That's really interesting. That's something that I'm just really interested in is people's responses sure. to material that makes them, you know, that sort of replicates unpleasant emotions. Some people hate it and want to run away. And that would seem to be the more natural response. But what I found in my years of covering a lot of this type of material is there is a certain subset of people who run towards that feeling and just seeing that feeling um, sort of realized in an artistic way makes them feel a lot better. And I think I am one of those people, actually. Some people want singing in the rain. Some people want Mulholland Drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> But I'd, I'd, I'm sorry, I, I would love to hear uh, Brian's thoughts before we uh, talk a little bit further about some of those experiences. Sorry. It's fine. Um, no. <clears throat> as the host, I'm always like, yep, I get to go last. This is great. So uh, Jordan Raup, our benevolent lord and master, um, when who, he... Who, who, who hates when you call him that, by the way. <laughs> yes, he said that. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah. Put it out of my mind. Um, That sucks. (laughs) I'm never going to stop. So he, he, in talking about this movie and us addressing it, was like, I don't know, like, you know, if you have the time, it's a short movie, like, try to watch it a couple days before you do your podcast on it to really Mm -hmm. let it sit. Because, like, my reaction the next day was a lot different than the first day I saw it. Same. And I, I had that with this movie. Yesterday, I hated it with the Fury of a Thousand Suns. And today, I just think it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it, it, this would have been for me a more intense conversation, but perhaps like a more volatile, piquant one um, yesterday. And today it's just going to be a lot of me going like, I don't know, guys, this movie just sucks. Like I just, it's not upsetting. It's not, you know, too dark. It didn't like bring me to a bad place. Like I'm a guy who watches the leftovers in its entirety, like once a year, on the anniversary of like my best friend killing himself, I watch Manchester by the Sea. Like I revel in in sadness and dark emotions. I love <laughs> movies and and media 
that really take a look at like the lingering effects of grief and depression. And this movie was just, it reminded me of like, if someone made a movie about that, but for children, because it's just so broadly drawn and it's so on the nose and it's so cartoonish in its, its depictions of the, the kind of like steps that it's taking its character through that it reminded me at times between its it's like bombastic classical score and its characters with the flashing lights and everything of a Don Hertzfeld cartoon, which could be a good thing because I love Don Hertzfeld. <laughs> but in the end, I was just I was just like bored and slightly insulted. And then I had the double dose of like, OK, I've got like five hours until I've got a podcast about this. Let me read some other reviews. And everyone was just talking about how great this movie was. And so I was baffled and angry. And then I woke up today and I was like, I'm already over it. Like the movie, it's not even like when I have to watch queen of earth or something. And the fury lingers within me a few days. I was just like, I can't even hold on to the, the, the confusion and the anger over my wasted time and the reaction that everyone else is having to it, because it's just not, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't, it doesn't come off at all. So I'm going to be the negative voice. This is the third week in a row where I'm the person who's down or not as up on a movie as other people though. Actually, wait, we all hated relic. So Mm, that's okay. we, I think we were all disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, so, so this is, I'm just, I'm I, like, after watching this movie, okay. After watching this movie, I Google, you know, she dies tomorrow reviews and I see like 85 or 86% of Rotten Tomatoes, a bunch of critics all loving it. And then below that, I see the Google user reviews, which I don't know if you've ever read those. It's when people like Google a movie and then can review it as though it were like a local restaurant. and i felt really depressed because i agreed with every one star review on that and i did not agree with any of like the tomato meter certified critics who i usually admire and i was just like this is it i've just broken i've just become one of the masses and i should go (laughs) rewatch avengers endgame and maybe this time i'll love it instead of finally instead of finding it to be morally reprehensible um so I was confused. I was burdened by that confusion. But then I woke up today and everything was fine. Um, and I just I'm I'm excited to hear why certain people think this movie has anything to say that hasn't been said better and like actually said and explored in other movies. Um, but for me, it was just like it was it ended and I was like, I am not a fan and I can't believe I have to talk about this. Um, but now I'm just kind of like, meh, whatever. So you're not you even going to probably... I say differently. That's the thing. And I would never consider, I never consider a film a waste of time. Even a really bad movie is not a waste of time because it helps you to understand what you don't like in a film. I suppose that's a good point. Yes, that is that is, that is a solid uh, point. I think it's... A milk half full and half empty. <laughs> Yeah, I so like <laughs> pre-quarantine, I might agree, <laughs> like fully be like, yeah, there's no, but like I think about like the things I could have done in that hour and a half while my daughter was taking a nap, you know, around the house or all this other stuff. And like, weirdly, now that I don't go to see movies in the theater, it is easier for me to look at the act of watching a movie 
as an indulgence or something that I'm choosing to do instead of something else. Like if I had gone and seen this in a theater, I might have had that like, okay, academically, like this helps me to understand like what I like about depictions of things better, like what worked, what didn't. But for whatever reason, because I'm stuck at my house, I don't know if you guys have realized this, but like when you don't go to work, the wear and tear on your house increases like tenfold. (laughs) So like I got more vacuuming to do. I've got more windows to clean. You know, I could have like started prepping dinner. And um, so, yeah, it's a it's a it's just it's just nuts. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. know. The quarantine does crazy things to people. Um, but yes, so I'm, I'm excited to hear more about what you people liked about this movie and, um, I will chime in now and then, uh, with, uh, my thoughts to the contrary, but like I said, at least, at least the day has given me the, the cool off period to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to argue about this. Like, it's just, it just didn't work for me and I can yield the floor to people for whom it did and who might have a better, fuller discussion of what they found to be rich about it. Oh, wonderfully condescending intro. There. I wasn't condescending. Like you all liked it. A lot oh, of people on, liked man. it. No, I don't I know, think... but like you are suggest. Ah, all right. You we'll, are looking we'll, at me we'll in bad faith, this. sir. And I, well, you sound like you're looking at this movie in bad faith, sir. No, I just I I am old enough now to realize that there is not much to be gained from me just like arguing against the personal feelings of other people so like if i if i really feel something i'll say it but i'm not gonna be like no you guys are crazy this movie is nonsense i'm not gonna turn this into a cable news shouting match you know <laughs> okay well, well maybe uh, maybe a uh, I, I i'll i'll steer this i guess <laughs> um maybe the best place to start is you know i i, I do find it interesting um I'd I'd like to talk a little bit about like uh, about how this does you know shift mood. I, I mean beyond the general thing that you said, Bill, where you started in a good mood, <laughs> you left this you know uh, feeling <laughs> bad. Let's call it sure. Um, I I I mean Katie and I all, were also deeply affected by this, but I, I mean I'd love to talk about this a little bit. Even even more granularly, at, at what point, for instance, do you feel like you got on this film's wavelength? Was that a was that a question for our guest? Yeah, was for that... I'm I'm just trying to get the conversation started. <laughs> okay, so was that a question for me though? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. I, th- I, th- I thought you. I thought you said <laughs> or uh, said our guest's name. Um. Anyways. Uh. So yeah. I think when I started to kind of give myself over to this film. Um. I would say it was when I started to notice the motif, or the, I don't even know if that's a motif. It started to notice the noises that were happening when uh, they were talking 
uh, about it. I think it was specifically when uh, the doctor was checking out. And uh, of course, I don't have the names pulled up right now. Um, checking out uh, not the main characters, but her friend. Josh Lucas and Jane Adams. Yes. When when she was getting checked up on. And I mean, I was noticing it ahead of that, but that was when it really kind of started uh, making his presence very well, uh, you know, very well heard um, or noted, basically. Um, so that's that's when I really started to kind of keep keep in and uh, and uh, listen for that kind of cue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie, where, do, so did you immediately like this film, like immediately kind of find its its wavelength then? Um, not immediately, but there's that whole, there's a long first section where you just have Caitlin Shield kind of knocking around the house by herself. Mm. And the part that got me was when she's shopping for cremation urns in one tab, <laughs> and then she clicks over sure. to the other tab and she's shopping for leather jackets. And I thought mm-hmm. that was, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. So that, that was when I was on board. I was actually on board for like that whole first part. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did um, not like the first <laughs> that first part. Oh, see, that's <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, see, this is why I said like, even though I'm not a fan of this movie, I'm looking forward to talking about it because like for me, it started to go off the rails once it like left her, like once it started introducing all the other people. Um, I think that I think that trying that that the way that it manifests in everyone else begins to in my mind make it a little more perhaps purposefully absurd but for me ineffectively absurd whereas just watching uh caitlin shield was i found to be like rather engrossing mm-hmm. did you like relate to her I, this is really fascinating to me brian because that was actually the hardest part God, for me because so i <laughs> no i know well i i just experienced depression in a very different way so her particular kind was like I, I don't necessarily get lost in that because I'm too like <laughs> self-aware about the loathing to actually just like keep replaying, you know, uh, shoot. What is that? Mozart. Oh, it was Lacrimosa. Uh, Lacrimosa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's just, that's interesting. I mean, I'll it, play me. music over and over again. I won't like go deciding that I want to be turned into a leather coat. Um, I don't look for urns, you know, like sometimes I'll, I'll compose a suicide note in my brain, but like, otherwise, no, her and I, I guess don't share a lot, uh, depression wise. Uh, Mm. My depression usually manifests itself as like, I'm not getting up and you can't make me. Or sometimes it'll, I guess it's more like anxiety mixed with depression. That is like, I'm going to clean the whole damn house. But yeah, no, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I enjoyed this idea and the way that it was kind of seeded that she had picked it up from someone else. And I um I, I found that whole section to be to be rather good. So now I'm curious about, you know, obviously um Katie has said that the <laughs> the, the the web surfing which for me <laughs> that got a chuckle out of me. Because I didn't realize at first that she was like, Why bother being uh, put in an urn when I could be made into a coat? I thought she was like, <laughs> What will make me better or like feel better right now? I guess buying the vessel for my body, but also I've always wanted this coat. And there's no yeah. need, like there's no reason not to buy it like that. And when I realized that she wanted to be 
was looking at the leather coat because she wanted to be turned into the coat. That actually flipped me off of the movie a little bit because I. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, this movie's weird as hell. I'm into yeah. it. Like, hell it just, yeah. It, it's such. Give, a, give, me, give me the. I, m- listen. Uh, do you want to turn into girls. a coat? No, that, but. That conversation just, with that guy. <laughs> a James Bennett. Oh, yeah. Towards yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, well, no, um, well, I saw the, the, her clicking between the tabs, and I thought it was just sort of a funny comment on, um, I guess, the way that very serious things and very frivolous things become flattened into one thing when you look at them online, Yeah, that the internet kind of flattens all human experience into one sort of uh, distant um <clears throat> Yeah, interaction or purchase even. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but then when I found out she wanted to be made into the leather jacket, I was like, this chick is weird. I would like to know more. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. But see, for me, I hey, liked... It's I liked... lonely growing up as a morbid girl, so it's <laughs> nice to see others like you in adulthood. <laughs> I mean, I loved that frivolity. Like, I, I, like, that's one of the reasons that I really liked, like, you know, the leftovers. Like, every time someone tries to do something normal and someone just shouts at them, like, why are you... Attempting to act like, you know, 2% of the world didn't disappear. Like, the world is over. Nothing makes sense anymore. Stop trying to have, like, school basketball games. If I may, the examples you give, like uh, Manchester by the Sea and The Leftovers, they base a lot of their analysis of their situations in dialogue. And this film is more about visuals and sound. Right, which is what's interesting is that when it was just the visual of her looking at the coat, I really loved it. But like the 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 spare bit of dialogue we did get when I found out she became obsessed with the idea of being turned into the coat, I didn't. <laughs> Strikes me as very what weird. What did you make of what did you make of the dune buggy, Brian? Um <clears throat> I don't know. Uh it, it um it is fine, I guess. I don't know. I like how it cut back to her saying like we should ride dune buggies and, and her boyfriend at the time is like, that's on the schedule for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And she's like, ooh, schedules, sexy. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, like, like it just, it, it, struck, yeah. it struck me as weird because I kept expecting the movie to explore the ways in which all of these disparate people would embrace their realization of their own death and the kind of resigned somnambulance of it kind of put me off. Like, it, it, like, there was very, like, there was kind of a sense of freedom with the one couple. Um, uh, Asselton and Messina? Or, no, they uh, were Tube somnambulant. Yeah. yeah. Brian, Brian and, Tilly. and Tilly. Yes. Yeah. Like, that, that was cool for a second, but they were still just, like... Like their their plug had been pulled, which again, like makes sense. But like, I have to imagine that someone would react to the full firm knowledge of their coming death by being like, oh, there's no reason to be afraid anymore. I should go do something or say something that I've always wanted to. So like it, 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 it really seemed to flatten out this experience, um, except when I guess when Jane goes to the, the house, which we can talk about later on. Um, it just, it kind of, I kind of became bummed out when everyone just monotones, you know, some variation of the phrase, I am going to die tomorrow. 
and uh it just it i don't know it just didn't it didn't it didn't really work for me like it, it felt very like i said very flat very monotone very almost uninterested in its own conceit it just it never struck me in a way that really made it interesting i mean even even in like lars von trier's melancholia which has this you know kind of basic conceit except it's a giant planet coming to destroy everyone that leads to the certainty about death you know you have the people who fight against it the people who are unaware the people who commit suicide and And then you have you know the the person who has been literally crippled by depression for a year now and somehow views the new certainty as a way to like kind of flex some level of invincibility because when you're certain that you're going to die and then you become aware of the fact that you actually are going to die like your certainty has become a superpower and you become mm-hmm. uh, you know self-actualized you're like i was right fuck yeah and it's going to happen <laughs> and i've been preparing for this mentally and everyone else around me can't handle it but i've been doing it so now is my moment which is weirdly how i felt when quarantine started like i'm one of the there was a i think there was an article that i should have looked up before this but i didn't really think i was going to talk about it that talked about like there's a subset of people with depression who when the quarantine started began to like live their best life because finally the bad thing they'd always feared was happening and they felt as though i'm calmer than i've ever been same yeah i'm an anxiety wreck i'm calmer than i've ever been i have well everything's fucked i might as well just roll with it right i have a small (laughs) business that's like you know in trouble i had to like finalize a divorce during the quarantine and i have never felt more steady and more okay and i have like wrist i have i have thought that i might have covid twice because of exposure and this time i thought that my daughter might have it and i still even as i was running around looking to get us tested i was like i am in control i am uh the captain of the ship the ocean is serene and i am calm yet you had trouble identifying with the characters in this film who experience that same calm and certainty because it didn't really come off as like calm so much as it was like uh 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 what's the word i'm looking for um if you get hit really hard and you're dazed like it didn't seem like, like they a came concussion to, yeah it didn't seem like they came to peace with it it seemed like they were just so overburdened by it that they couldn't even find the energy to do anything they else. they were bummed out man it bummed them <laughs> out it is interesting that there isn't a lot of differing uh, reactions to this impending doom, right? It's it's all pretty much the same. Everybody's just like, mm, well, fuck. I guess I gotta really look into this uh, this motorcycle jacket as a as <laughs> from human skin. I, I love how Messina and Asselton, um I, I'm sorry, I don't have uh, names. Uh, character names in front of me. Uh, Susan, Susan and Jason. Jason. Ooh, yeah, uh, go to like hug their daughter <laughs> aggressively together. I, I like that she's like, "Are you drunk?" And Katie's just yeah. like, "Yeah, a little bit." <laughs> You're just like, "Uh huh, uh huh." This this daughter knows what's up. <laughs> like, why am I getting hugged? Probably at like one or two in the morning, and it's just like, "Oh, my parents are drunk right now." <laughs> I, I think it's interesting, though, uh, Brian. You're, you're you're talking about that sense of, um, you know, can concussion because, like, I, I, Katie, I think you actually mentioned it in your review that this reminded you a little bit of Invasion of Body Snatchers and It Follows combined. 
Yeah, and I do think the melancholia comparison is right on. I also mentioned melancholia in my review. But um, yeah, I, I mentioned that though because I, I was thinking of Abel Ferrara's uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers a lot in the sense that it's like this very. That, that's the one. That's the one with uh, Daniel Craig, right? No, no, no. Uh, okay. It's Jennifer Tilly and. Um, what? I can't. I can't remember. It's from the. I think it's from early-ish 90s. It's it's yeah. wonderful though. I can't remember okay. where it's where it's. Bill, at I now, think you're but, thinking um, of just Invasion with Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that that was a, an invasion of the body snatchers. That is uh, also yeah. make as well, right? Um. But so okay. So this one, because there are four of these fucking things, I believe. There's yeah. the original it's Howard Hawk, or not the Howard Hawks. I, I I don't know, Bill. This is less Sorry. less important than I. I just want to say my my point being though that like I didn't think of of this as necessarily like you know, that they should all have different reactions. It's more that I thought about, like, it literally just sapped their will to exist. And in the same way of something like, like, uh, uh, Kyoshi Kurosawa's, like, Pulse, which is another thing I've heard a lot about. And it's just, like, I, I, I didn't think that, I, like, Brian, you make a fair point that, like, there really isn't a, a strong difference between how any of these people, um, face this but it's it's weird because it's also not really like you know i'm gonna go through my bucket list on the last day like it's it doesn't have that quality to me because it's just like you are just struck with the knowledge that you're going to die it's not even like oh the you're told that the world is gonna end or anything Mm -hmm. you are struck with this psychological spiritual like deep belief that you're going to die. Like, I guess that's what the thing was that really changed this from a lot of like, there's, you know, there's been so many fucking apocalypse movies. Um, and, and this, because it was so psychological and because like the way that it inexplicably grips you made total sense to me so that the points, those things that you're talking about cartoonish, like those like valleys in how they respond to things felt like all the more real to me. Like, um, especially with Jane Adams, like Jane Adams is, is the one I particularly, uh, sorry, I'm empathized with. Yeah, I, w- I think of it as a difference between di- being diagnosed with stage four cancer and hearing that a comet is going to hit Earth in a week. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, well, I guess I just can, can I, we can we get into spoilers a little bit so we can really kind of dig down into this? I mean, I mean we've we've tipped pretty much. Around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're, yeah, I, the way this this more and more this podcast has like ceased with the hard break. And it's more like, I don't know if you're 15 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, just, it's noble of you to try, though. Yes. Um, so usually, luckily, Bill does say, like, are we good? Is the spoilers now? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Um, but I wanted to add another thought about the invasion of the body snatchers thing. Um, something that I think to keep in mind is, you know, we talk a lot is about the psychological about- metaphor. No, I just mean that um, it's not entirely within them. They do see the lights and like there is some sort of there's an implication that the, there's some sort of outside force that like ca- like you have the realization and then you see the lights and the lights are sort of 
this possessing force that takes hold of you. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm curious. I guess we we spend what a night with these characters, right? We we have some flashbacks and stuff like that, but. It does seem like Jane Addams' character at least uh, survives the night. So she says, she, like, everybody's saying they're going to die tomorrow, right? And I guess we don't technically see um, tomorrow the full day of tomorrow. We sure. just see that night. But I'm I'm curious if, like, some of these characters' reactions, like Katie Azelton's and Chris Messina's, almost seems like they avoided dying tomorrow. Um, by doing what they apparently did, which apparently they didn't do. I, I they they tried to kill Jane Adams, right? Like that's that's what they did. Oh yeah, we, we never get point? that exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're it's, we're in spoiler, spoiler town. Right I thought now. they killed their kid. Okay, I was deeply confused okay. as to which thing because so they they are like. So now, you know, we what we got to do. And then Jane wakes up in a in a house bleeding. And I was like, did they like fail to murder her? Like did like what like I really did think that Kate Asselton and this is a thing that I sort of loved and I thought that this was where it was going is Kate Asselton's like I have always hated your sister. <laughs> and she now has made it so that I am going to die tomorrow certainly um and i'm gonna like my daughter and everything and blah 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 so she did that to us we get to go murder her right and so i thought that was gonna be their thing like their means of like expressing themselves is not to get turned into a jacket but kate asselton to be like i have hated your sister for years and we're finally gonna murder her together which i thought was badass and then and then (laughs) jane wakes up (laughs) wait what was that michael I, I found her. Uh, oh God, she was such a horrifying person. I did her stupid dolphin fucking. Oh God! Look, she's... no one in this movie is great. I mean, Chris Messina <laughs> gets away with it because he's charming as shit. <laughs> and um, it's true, there really aren't any. Everybody's no. like, and Everybody Je- they're they're Jen- a buzzkill at best, right? Like, Jennifer yes. Kim says to Tunde out of at a bimpe. He she says. You didn't show up at my birthday party. He's like, my dad had a stroke. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but that's like when I knew I was going to break up with you. Because like, if you actually cared about me, you'd send me a text. And I was like, oh, here's another person who I'm glad is going to die. So like, yeah. if Tunde and Chris could just get together, I think that they could raise uh, Chris and Katie's daughter together very well. Because they seem okay. like they've got their heads on their shoulders. But like, well, yeah, okay. so I was... Uh, we, we've gone off track, but like as to what they were doing, I thought they were going to go kill Jane and then Jane wakes up. And even though she's bleeding, she appears to be in a house with two other people that I don't know. Um, Yeah, I don't was know. That her what, house? What the, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is, because. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't either. Yeah. So like, I was like, oh, are those her roommates? The only, that's the only part of this movie that really kind of threw me for a loop and and unfortunately it happens at the very end and you're just like what the fuck is that like where's the rest Mm -hmm. of this movie well but so the (laughs) confusion about them maybe killing their own child is that um they like wake up with her and then they say like should we wake her up and they say no it's better that should happen while she's asleep which i assumed was like it's better that we should randomly drop dead of a brain hemorrhage or whatever 
or get hit by mm-hmm. a truck while she's asleep? Or are they saying like, no, at some point she's going to start seizing because of the cyanide we put in her? Yeah. You know, so like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I thought they killed their kid like that, like they climb in bed and then the conversation they have after they get out of bed kind of pointed to me that they were like, oh, well, we can't live without her and she's infected with it, too. So we might as well she, get it over with. Like they didn't tell yeah. her about it unless they woke her up and were like, hey, guess what? You're going <laughs> to die tomorrow, too. Which because because the other thing that this this disease or whatever we want to call it does is it like compels you to tell other people. Yes. Which is, again, as like a metaphor for depression, not the way it always goes down. So I was shocked that like everyone, their first impulse was like, guess what, Michael? (laughs) Well, here's where I'll draw a line between depression and intrusive thoughts, because intrusive Mm -hmm. thoughts isn't necessarily a depression symptom. It's more of a bipolar anxiety type of symptom. And that's the sort of thing where you like where you just get seized with a thought and usually it's a really unpleasant thought about something bad happening and you can't stop and you might actually someone be like how's it going and you're like my mom's gonna get cancer you know like you can't (laughs) control it and so i felt that like um you know the uh, all these diseases kind of swim in the same pool right but that's one area where i thought that this was engaging with something that wasn't specifically depression Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that. I mean, that is possible. But I mean, it just it, I, I um I don't know. I guess okay. at, at a certain so, point, so, I just had to like throw my hands up and be like, I don't know. I guess like one of the symptoms is because with 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 Caitlin Shields character, Amy, it really seemed like she was sad and wanted to like talk to someone. Mm-hmm. And Jane, meanwhile, just comes around and is like, hey, guess what? Everyone, I'm going to die. Like, we're all going to die. Like, we could die tomorrow. And the way that they always frame it. I think this bugged me a lot. The way that they always framed it as like it was it, like it, it's not like they they began by saying I am having the intrusive feeling that I am going to die tomorrow. It seemed as though they were like talking themselves into it, but like out of nowhere in the same way that a friend will like have a plan but try to make it seem like it's a spontaneous idea. Like, <laughs> ah, you know, I love I love uh, deserts, man. Oh, wouldn't it be crazy if we like drove to the Grand Canyon together? Like that's like how they four see, hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> I have some bags packed. It's, it's <laughs> remarkable. Okay. So I want to, I want to figure out something real quick. So, uh, our guest, Katie, right. Uh, you are on team. Uh, they killed their kid. Brian, you're on team. <laughs> they killed their kid. Uh, no, wait I a second. First of all, I never came down Jane. because <laughs> I think, I think that the um I think it's it's impossible to say. I don't I don't know. I if like if you if you asked me if they all did indeed die tomorrow. No, because I was certain that they killed Jane, but then they introduced the uncertainty as to whether they killed their kid, and that was another point when I was just like, I don't fucking know, and I actually don't care. Well, I will say this, you know, I gave this film a high grade and I felt like it captured a certain emotion really specifically and I really admired that. Mm -hmm. But my main criticism of the film is that it establishes this really interesting idea, but it's not quite sure how to carry it over the finish line. I think that it does get a little muddy in the end and a lot of the stuff that we're getting hung up on are the kind of like unanswered questions that, you know, maybe Amy Simons was more concentrated on mood or conveying a sort of like visceral experience. But I do think there are a lot of loose threads when the film kind of like 
gets towards the end. I don't know if it really has like the best ending. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I think that the uh, it, this is one of those movies. Like, there's some movies where I say like, oh, please end without telling me what's going on. You know, like I, I can feel my my desire for the ambiguity or the open endedness mounting. And this movie was one of the opposites where I'm like, the last five minutes of this better be phenomenal and wrap everything up or I'm going to be. And in fact, I think that the ambiguity is one of the things that makes my or that made my anger or my like stark disappointment dissipate because I felt like if the movie can't bring itself to a final conclusive instance of something then like what am i holding on to sure maybe that's the point man that could be the point <laughs> and like again everything that i am saying might be if you were to talk to amy uh Semitz, <laughs> she might say like no you got it like this is all what you're supposed to get i'm like oh okay so it's yeah. just we're, a we're tuna salad sandwich mood. i want nothing to do with it but you made what you wanted to make and some people are gonna love it sure yeah that's uh, a food metaphor it's one, the, it, it, it's one of those kind of movies i will say that i yeah. do want to ask okay so michael w- what team are you on <laughs> oh my God. you know sophie's <laughs> choice phil i i don't who they kill who they kill who they kill or did they kill anybody right or did they just like go have sex in a room that they never had sex in before that's the he says to her or she says to him, like, or she says to him, are you mad at me? And he's like, what do you think? And she's like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If she went and killed your sister, <laughs> I guess you'd be kind of mad at her. I feel like if it was their daughter, he'd have more of a reaction. But again, another symptom of whatever the hell this is, is that you just kind of stop caring about shit. Well, I mean, I guess, like, if if, if you kill your sister that just told you that you were going to die tomorrow, right. who already established that she's going to die tomorrow, I feel like maybe it doesn't fucking matter. Like, maybe. Well, that's why I thought that's what they were doing. Because, like, to me, it makes a lot of sense. Because Kate has that. Say what you will about her dolphin speech. Her whole thing about, like, you know, I am so upset that my my beautiful daughter has like even a drop of your gene pool in it because you're fucked up and I hate you. I was like, yeah, get it. That's awesome. I love this. And then to really, see, I thought that was so mean. I mean, clearly it's mean, but like the movie for like four minutes had like teeth and and like energy to it. And then Kate gets turned into a zombie just like everyone else. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I was upset because I was like, oh, man, if that's the kind of, if that's the level of no fucks that Kate gives when she doesn't believe she's going to die tomorrow, she's going to turn into a full on supervillain when she realizes that it doesn't matter what she does. She's going to die tomorrow. But it, she didn't seem to unless she did like go and stab Jane Adams and Jane Adams just didn't wake up and woke up later and didn't start bleeding until she started moving. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't know. Like, uh, <sighs> I don't want to get hung up on like what happened, but like, can someone tell me what they think happened with Jane well, I, and the pool and the people? Well, I think that I, I think that by all right. So this is going to sound like a cop out, but but stay with me for a second. I, <laughs> I think we're again trying to bring this into a more standard form, and and I think this movie. Is, is kind of anti-plot despite 
being predicated on this very specific, <laughs> very specific, but also vaguely defined uh, conceit. I, and I think that, again, like when you're using words like uh, zombie and, and you're talking about this certain flattening of of these characters' reactions, I think that, again, kind of speaks to the frustration that the film wants to evoke and that immovability of those feelings. Like, you are right that, like, um, obviously people react to depression and anxiety and, and these feelings in very different ways, but I still, again, didn't necessarily view them within like a, you know, a collection of subjective responses as much as more like a, a thought experiment, I, I, I guess. I, and it's totally fair to say like, you don't want that, but like that was fine for a more, that was more than a sum of its parts for me. And that was unique enough to see on screen when again, I, you know, I love melancholia, but melancholia, if you want to talk about on the nose, the way those two characters react is it's so uh, linearly – why that sounds so terribly? It's so uh, coherently follows what you expect with those characters, and it takes it to the end. So we have it, come I, I, back to the eternal struggle between me and Mike, which is <laughs> neatness versus whatever not neatness is in your eyes. <laughs> Sure. No, but it's it's not it's not necessarily a neatness, and I, I I'm kind of with Katie that I think the the end is a little bit of a is a little bit of a flub. Although I, I do actually really like the image of um, Jane either having or her period or being wounded and going in the pool, <laughs> and everybody else just being like. Yeah, that's happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think she's definitely wounded just simply because we do see that sequence of of her house and blood spilling all over it. We also I, seem I like it's, it, yeah. it's, the blood it's, also it's, appears to be beginning at her side, which yes, just yes. doesn't. Maybe that's how you die. They, it's, I mean, it's, do I mean, we see anybody else actually die? It's we definitely don't. not her roommates because, like, she asks, "Who are you?" No, so, it's it's like a neighbor is what my interpretation okay. was. <laughs> okay, that's all. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's possible. Um, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it kind of you know, like I said, it it kind of gets into. A, I mean, this is just pure taste, man. Like you know whether because this film to me isn't about story. This is a film that's about mood. Um, you know, the term pure cinema. I don't know if I would necessarily call this pure cinema, but it's definitely more about the marriage of sound and image than it is about telling a story through the medium of character. Yes. And 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 I I I, I will say now, you know, over an hour into this, um, now that I've already made my very negative feelings known, I don't think that like mistakes were made. I think that this movie is what was intended to be made. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. thus I will not say like, ah, oh, they really messed this up because I'm pretty sure they landed everything that they wanted to do. I just, it wasn't for me. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not, yeah, it's so. not at all my thing. Like, it, I'm not going to say like, ah, oh, you know, they, there's so-and-so was totally miscast. Cause that's, that's not where that's coming from. But like, yeah, I just, I- it's, it's not mine. It's not 
Matisse. I truly think those are two different things. There are films that set out to do a thing and fail. Mm -hmm. And then there are films that do exactly the thing they're trying to do, but it's just not for everybody. Right. Like I would say relic is something that sets out to do something and fails. Mm -hmm. And this is, and and that's one of the reasons why my reaction to relic was like a sleepy little meh. Whereas this movie, I'm a little more engaged with it. Again, I would have been more engaged yesterday Um, because (laughs) it does feel like these are all consequential choices that were made. And this reflects, precisely what they wanted it to whereas relic it was a little like eh, like you're trying to do this thing but like it's just not working you know you just you haven't pulled it off and i apologize but you just didn't and this movie is like well you this is what you wanted to do yeah i don't get yeah, it and, but. And, and that's that's what i mentioned kind of at, at my kind of opening remarks was that it definitely feels like she stayed within the budget that she had right and it feels like this is a complete vision of what she intended to make yeah um you know whether that's your cup of tea or not you know isn't is it necessarily, you know, obviously this isn't a, a very large budget film. You know, they're not shooting for the stars here. They're not trying to gen, uh, please general audiences. They're uh, trying to make, uh, you know, some might call it quote unquote art. You know, it's, it's, it just is what it is. Um, quote unquote. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying like, no, some people would be like, quote, this is art. quote unquote art. And it's just no, like, no. oh, you're you're being an asshole when you say that, right? And it's just like, oh, no, 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 no. Like this is this is art, and you know, and, and and this is this has always been my biggest like argument of like cinema and film and things like that is there is this very weird like push and pull of this is at one time yes a art form that can be made on a uh phone on a cell phone right we've we've already seen that a couple of different times of course they're not actually filmed on cell phones they're you know using special lenses attached to the cell phone and all this other bullshit but you know you can make tangerine. yeah tangerine yeah. and, uh, and high flying and, bird and uh the the oh. other one um unsane yes unsane yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, that's a whole other topic, but I'm glad you brought up the special lenses because it's like, well, I mean, technically you could, but it's not going to look like shot that. Shot on the iPhone with a $900 anamorphic lens. <laughs> yes. um, also a anyway. $400 Steadicam system, and we still had professional sound and lighting. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's, it's one of those things where this art form is accessible, yes, in a smaller scale, but when we talk about like seeing things on the big screen like that means it has turned into or turned from a accessible medium to a expensive medium like there is no bones about it this probably costs maybe two million or it, it may have been a sub million dollar movie but i mean think about that when you say oh that's a cheap movie under a hundred or under a million dollars of production and that's what it takes to make a movie like this and you're just like jesus christ this is an expensive medium and so you know if you want to make very very personal art in this medium it can be very difficult and tough to make it look good and make it feel fully realized and you know, again, that's what's impressive about this is that she didn't overshoot her budget. She made exactly what it feels like she was trying to make. And yeah, it, it looks good. 
Um, it sounds good. It's got some good or big name actors in there or, you know, big name for someone that watches a bunch of movies. Right. Who's who of indie films from the yeah. last 10 years. I mean, like I said, like Adam Wingard <laughs> makes an appearance in this film. Sure. I, mean, it, it, I mean, the fact that Michelle Rodriguez is in this movie for some fucking reason. I don't know. I don't know if she just happened to be on set that day. And I mean, she like, nails hey, her scene. Yeah, like, but I was just like, Michelle Boho fucking vibes. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay. All right. She's in I this. swear that I had seen the other woman in that scene before. Um, mm-hmm. I went through her entire filmography and I don't think that I've seen anything that she's been in. So now <laughs> I don't know who I was Dudley. thinking of. She looks like a mix between like Emily DeRaven and um, the. the I oh, heard that name in a bit. Yeah, that was my thing is I thought she was Emily DeRaven and I was like, oh, Emily DeRaven's in this movie. And then it, it wasn't. And um, who's who's oh man, who's the the woman from Westworld? Oh yeah, yeah, that's what I was just looking at her profile Evan photo. Of. Rachel Wood. Yes, I'm Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So that's what I was like. It's it's like that. It's just my brain is like, no, you've seen her before, and I'm like, no, I swear to God, I haven't. And they're like, no. What about Thirteen? What about Westworld? What about Lost? What about Brick? And I'm like, it's not. Those aren't even the same person. <laughs> it really, uh, um, it really tweaked me. According to a source that I'm not super familiar with called The Slanted, uh, this movie cost about $200,000. Okay. Wow. Which is really low. And that's something that I like. I often point it out in my reviews is um, when people talk about, you know, making a movie or how do I get started making movies, stuff like that. I do feel conflicted, like you were saying, about people saying, well, just pick up your phone. You can do whatever, because most of the big name filmmakers that do that do have advantages. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things that are maybe less technical than stylistic that you can really run with, Um, like the limited locations and the kind of personal stories of this film. And, uh, And I do agree with you that in that way that she was able to make something that probably is very personal you know and and does mm-hmm. convey certain ideas and an uh, and emotions in an artistically uncompromising way but by doing it by knowing your limitations and working within them which is something that i feel like i'm constantly repeating about independent films yeah well uh, i mean we just reviewed uh vastness of night or the vastness the vast of night the That's the other night. example I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah the whole and, time and I that, was saying that. That that cost about seven hundred thousand dollars, and uh, yeah, I mean that that movie definitely plays within its own wheelhouse and uh, is is truly impressive for what it is. Um, sure. And you know, it it's more conventional in the genre style is or a style that it kind of goes after and and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, but. Um, you know, I'm sure that was also deeply personal. It it seemed very well researched and thoroughly, you know, uh, produced in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's difficult because you know, like I mentioned, like I, I see a lot of faces in this that are. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was well, the, Caitlin Shield. She was just in uh, Kate plays Christine. Right. Yes. And we watched that and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I was Queen of Earth reading, too, apparently I was reading that she is the um, 
Oh, fuck. Why can't I remember anybody's fucking names? Uh, the the actress that's uh, nominated for a ton of Oscars. Um, <laughs> Amy Adams. No, no. The the one that like Meryl every, Streep. Yeah, she, she's she was quote unquote called the Meryl Streep of indie cinema. I was just like, mm-hmm. oh Jesus. Uh, okay. So what does that even yeah. mean? I don't. I don't fucking know. <laughs> that could mean anything. <laughs> There's so many things that that could mean. <laughs> I'm the Meryl Streep of take and bake pizza. Like what the? How do you even? <laughs> <laughs> Reliable, I guess. Prolific. Uh, I, okay, but I, Bill, like you are bringing me to something that I do think is interesting in a lot of the reception. And uh, uh, Brian, I, I'm sure you can mention this, having read a couple reviews too. Is like there is not a lot of agreement about what exactly this is trying to do. Like as much as we're talking about the vast of night and. You know, that's working in a, in a more familiar genre framework, you know, like uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. As you're saying, Katie, it doesn't matter whether it's horror or not. But either way, I I think it's interesting that people aren't in agreement about what this is and that they're comfortable saying things like unclassifiable um, without it, you know, being a slight uh, against the film or, you know, suggesting that it doesn't know what it wants to it wants to be like whatever you, I, I guess maybe this is just another way of echoing what, what Bill was saying, but I just find the conversation about this far more like fluid and engaging than we get about even a lot of, a lot of indies. And I don't just think it's because during, it's during quarantine, I almost wish it didn't come out during quarantine. So people would have to uh, bring a different experience to it in a way. I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, this is just, again, the difference between Michael and I, like, I don't like, I, I prefer if I can nail something down, like if there's a clarity to its analogy, or something like you say fluid and I just say like unfocused and not solid. <laughs> you know, it's, it, and again, that, that, that brings us down to taste where you'll be like, I don't like how this thing that was set up in the first scene comes back in the final scene. And I'm like, that's poetics. That's beautiful. That's storytelling. And you're like, no, you should die because a squirrel jumped on him for no reason. Or whatever your thing is. (laughs) So yeah, I um yeah you know and this movie doesn't really have much of that unless you count her going to once again ask someone about being turned into a jacket, (laughs) which I don't know how she was. You can't sneak up a human jacket on someone, (laughs) especially because she's like if 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 I bring you a mammal, like does he that like who's gonna bring her to him? And also, you think that he's going to be like, oh, well, here's that mammal she was talking about. I, I think he'd be pretty human. chill. I think he, he'd be pretty that's chill. That's the thing, though. Once he it's starts just, talking, you're like, oh, he's 100% down to make a human jacket. <laughs> I don't have any evidence that this is where they shot it. But just from, you know, the anecdotal evidence of having been there a couple times, it's 100% Joshua Tree. And he would 100% do it. Yeah, no, he, he seemed it, down. Man. I'll do it for free if you let me keep the bones. He'd take a little sip off of his, you know, whiskey jar and he'd be like, well, it's a mammal. 
<laughs> I can I can see Katie in the background just or not 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 you Katie but Katie Azelton just being like no it's a porpoise no one corrected about the fish oh. thing and I was furious for the rest of the movie <laughs> she's right though dolphins are fucked up I don't, you know, no one talks about it enough. So there was a part of me that was like, I'm glad this is finally in some mass media. Oh, yeah, it's finally getting the uh, thing it deserves, yeah. I actually Info went to a party. It celebrates. Well, it's funny because I actually went I actually went to a party one time and there was a girl there who was very drunk and she was going off about this exact thing for approximately 15, 20 minutes. So Again, this is something that sure it wasn't me. Amy Simons. It was not. Like, I wish I wish I wish I knew Amy Simons. That'd be great. Like the idea that you were going to die tomorrow. The fact that dolphins are sex addicted thrill killers will live in your brain forever and you will have to tell people about it. Okay. <laughs> Michael, you wait. Once the quarantine is over, you're going to go to your first party and you're going to be sitting in the corner drinking a gin and tonic. Someone's going to turn to you and say, Hey, Michael, like, you know, so what are you uh, planning on doing now that the quarantine's over? And you're going to be like, I'm not going in the goddamn ocean. I'll tell you why. <laughs> and you're going to tell them all about dolphins. Uh, uh, Brent, you're suggesting that I would accept an invitation to a party and not say that I'm sick for unknown reasons. <laughs> because you're going to die tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> uh, the exactly. eternal the eternal struggle. I want to be invited, but I don't want to actually go. Right, you would be, you would be the first <laughs> Jane Adams. I want to be able to decline the invitation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Can yeah. you send me an, an RSVP card? With it already checkmarked. <laughs> You're giving me an idea for a business where you invite people to, you make Facebook events and invite people so they cannot show up. I am, um, my friends and I, this is off topic, but I feel like I need to get this out. We had an idea for a plugin. You know, when Facebook would like let you do a plugin, you know, like bumper stickers or whatever. So oh, back yeah, yeah. in those days, we had an idea. That was, that was a long ass. Time it was ago, a long ass time ago. I, I but that's to, I had to reach real far back into that goldfish brain, <laughs> and it's still there. Um, but yeah. so so our idea was we kept throwing parties, right? And we'd invite like seven hundred people, and then only like a hundred <laughs> would show up. What? And we were we uh, you know Michael, my life was very strange when oh, I was in okay, college okay, and afterwards. Okay. Um, right. So we you know we but we invited all these people, and we started to be like. 200 people will say they're coming, you know, because we know that like the people we invite from New York are probably not going to be able to come. But like, so what we need to determine is what is someone's like basically their party RSVP credit score? <laughs> so like if they're a maybe if, if they always say no and they never come, then that's like an 800, you know, if they say maybe, and they show up 50% of the time, still technically an 800 because they are being true about the maybe. If they say no and then they always show up, then they're a zero. And if they say yes and they never show up again, a zero. Like we need to be able to not only look at the RSVPs, but then the probability. It's like when you do a poll so, so and you do a you poll of a, likely dude, voters. You, and want we, a, you want a tomato score on each RSVP? No, no, that's not at all what I mean. I need a, I need a credit <laughs> report. Saying, 
Dude, I don't need another bad credit score in my life. That's all I got. <laughs> right, because we're like, okay, so like if 300 people say yes, but we can assume based on past activity that only 250 yep. are going to show up, or oh, conversely, no, that 400 are going to show up. No, not not even that. Yeah, yeah no. Y- anytime you see those Facebook RSVPs, you can just go ahead and knock off about half of them. Right, but we needed to, a way to do that without accidentally, yeah. like, what if all of the high value people said yes? Mm-hmm. You know, and then yeah, we're like, no. so, yeah. so when, when I started doing like uh, some, uh, I started doing some screenings at my local Alamo. That's and- what I was going to say. When I used to do screenings, there was a lot of <laughs> mental math involved. Well, this was this was for my my birthday party. And so I used to uh, rent out a, a theater uh, and show a movie and like. At a certain point, I had to start phys- like like physically texting. I mean, like seriously, like texting each one of the people that said yes and be like, "Okay, I'm gonna follow up with you. I need to actually know if you're gonna show up because <laughs> if 40 people actually show up to this fucking thing, I'm fucked because I don't have enough room for that." And I was just like, "Okay, I need you to tell me yes or no if you're actually in- like." I had to follow up their yes. <laughs> I was just like, okay, let's see here. Let's let's figure out what's actually going to happen here. So, yeah. And then even then, you know, like I would say my success rate of getting yes or no's out of that was about a 90%, right? Mm-hmm. So even still, I was I was still missing some people cuz you know, shit's going to happen. I I imagine, you know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm glad I was able to say it because that was like a, a billion dollar idea that we never did because none of us knew how to code. We were a <laughs> you, lot of you didn't know us. You, you should have went to Harvard, right? We we never we never we we are the idea men, but we never went to like the guy that could actually do it. <laughs> you're the you're the uh, what are the what are the twins the uh, the Winklevoss the Winklevoss the Winklevoss yeah. twins. <laughs> Yes, but even them, I think they had some coding. It was more like I'm the guy sure. who's just like drunk and is like flying cars, make it happen. <laughs> I will say though, in defense of RSVPing and never showing up, <laughs> it seems polite to RSVP. But you can RSVP <laughs> no though. Yeah. Yeah, but like, then you gotta come up with an excuse. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. I don't need a comment. I don't need a comment on there. No, don't do a maybe if you don't intend to show up. A that maybe was the, is a, that was always the best is thing. A, maybe my other plans will fall through. That was always the best thing about Facebook events is that every comment would be, "Oh no, I'm gonna be out of town," or "Oh man, you know, I have to watch my baby sister." And it was just like, I don't. If you said no, just shut up, because the rest of us need to plan. Yes. I I remember, yeah, long threads where people are just like, okay, here's what I need. Here's what I need. Here's what I, and then someone else is like, nope, can't make it. And you're just like, delete. How did we get on this? I don't know. Anyways. Um, I, what, what, what a terrible pizza man, by the way. Um, to show up at, at your house, give you a pizza, and then also give you the idea that you're going to oh, die in a couple is, days. Is he the motherfucker that started this? Oh, man. I don't know if he started it, but you know. He brought it to these people's doorstep. I just yeah, like, I was I, a little confused about the pizza guy, too. Also, like, like, how much do you talk him. to a pizza guy? Oh, man. That that pizza guy, just imagine how, how quickly he spread that shit. <laughs> a super spreader. Yeah. He is a super spreader, yeah. Because yeah. I imagine, like... We're- 
you know, you open weren't the door and you're like, too. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they were. Um, yes. Maybe, maybe. I mean, we definitely see them smoking pot. It's no, funny they though. You talk you, about shrooms. You, yeah, they do talk about shrooms. But they, they, I just imagine like open the door like, hey man, how you doing tonight? I'm gonna die in two days. All right, cool. Uh, here's twenty bucks. <laughs> Keep the change. Because like you don't have a long conversation with your pizza guy, no. so he must have just spat that shit out well, immediately. Well, the, the funny thing is, you don't even have a conversation with the pizza guy anymore, right? Right. If only they'd had contactless <laughs> they the, delivery. Yeah, they ring the doorbell, and you're like, "Get the fuck out of here." Well, that's <laughs> that's how this one, that's how this one is different from it follows because in it follows if you give it to someone else you're cool but here uh you can't get rid of it no matter how hard you try you say you're cool because it implies that you're having sex no No, it follows someone else oh you mean like you passed the buck okay yeah 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 yeah. and and it it follows if you if you if you have sex with someone they it follows them and not you anymore right but then once it kills them it will come for you i just like i i thought you were saying like in this movie you can be an (laughs) anti-social nerd and still spread it but in follows you've got to talk someone into sleeping with you so you're cool the chat in the first uh, well you know i mean that was a real ro- uh ink blot test of a moment <laughs> i know i'm just like this, more more so than this movie that moment that we just had is going to haunt me like what does that mean that i thought like oh yeah clearly no, the i meant you gave it to someone else and you weren't gonna die anymore yeah. <laughs> although if technically you give it to, not true as well but yeah yeah if yeah. you give it to someone well, else it's because yeah, you rock and no. people want to sleep with you <laughs> It's kind of a badge of honor if you make someone die in the It Follows universe. <laughs> At least they got laid. Yep. Oh. Anyway, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> other movies that this reminded me of: The Signal, Pontypool. Oh, Pontypool! I Pontypool's really good. Yeah. I've never seen that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what's going on in this movie. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it's out there. People can watch it. Well, it's yeah. got a great cast. Kate, I like. I just. Kate, I'm also Kate like a little seems upset. Like she's having the most fun. <laughs> Wait, I mean, she's out there ro- riding dune buggies and just getting high, making out with people. We at like, some doing- point should have committed to either saying character names or cast names because yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when well, you said I mean, Kate, it, it, you didn't mean Katie Asselton, who's playing Susan. No, you also didn't mean I've, Katie Rife, who is our Katie. guest. I've said Katie every single time Kate, that I meant Katie. Caitlin. Yes, Caitlin um, Scheel, and that is yeah. playing Amy. Yes. And yes, well, she at some if point I does. If I said Amy, that would have been confusing because Amy is the director as well, right? Yeah, but the only director that we ever call <laughs> solely by their first name is Terrence Malick. <laughs> Wait, what Do about you call Benny? him Terry? Yeah, I call him Terry all the time. Oh, that's so cute. I love it. <laughs> Denny V. <laughs> Denny V still gets the V of his last name, though. Oh God! Okay, and anyway, that's because I uh, don't trust myself to pronounce Villeneuve. Speaking, speaking of awkward uh, sex things, uh, I did like how Amy and Adam Wingard in the uh, like they do try to start making out, and he's like, "Oh, you know, call him by too, his name." <laughs> I'm me. too bummed out. Dune buggy man. I'm too bummed out. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I feel like it. It is, it's kind of funny. I wouldn't call this a funny movie, but there's a couple moments in it where I was like, 
you know, the leather jacket thing in that. Uh, It's more of a, uh, it's funny because I've experienced that exact terrible emotion before sort of thing. (laughs) Right. It's it's funny in the same way, again, that um, Don Hertzfeld stuff is funny. Like you watch It's Such a Beautiful Day and it's about a man who's dying of like a brain tumor. Yeah, but it's still is a really interesting uh, point of reference. Yeah, I, it, it, it started for me almost immediately because the second it cuts to she dies tomorrow and it's like dun, 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 and then it cuts as soon as it goes back. I'm like, oh, that's some Hertzfeldian musical editing. <laughs> Hertzfeldian. <laughs> I hope that he knows that I just said Hertzfeldian. <laughs> It's like a, a, a classic composer. Yeah. Um, I, I I will say since we did, it doesn't sound like you liked it that much, Brian, but I really like the score by uh, Mondo Boys in here. I think the music cues uh, work very well in here. There's a Angel Olsen song towards towards the end that works very well. Um, yeah, I, you, I just you think- have to pay for um is it Lux Eterna? What, what is what is that? Uh, no, no, no. That's not Lux Eterna. No, this is Lacrimosa. Le- Le- yeah, Lacrimosa. Uh, do you probably... have to pay for that? Is that is that in the uh, what, what is that called? Yeah, the public. Call um, so the public I believe domain? that it's yeah. in the public yeah. domain, but you'd have to pay whoever uh, performed that particular version. Okay, yeah, the the uh, the, the orchestra or whatever. Yes. Okay, and I think um, I think uh, the the score was done by the Moody Boys, the Mondo Mondo Boys, Mondo Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you think they did a, an original composition of L- uh, uh, La Cremosa? Uh, yeah, it could have. Yeah. Interesting. Why not? I'm sure the music is public domain at this point. It's just, yeah, he's right. There's performance. Yeah, you if you get the you get the sheet music for free or like you know at a music store. And then you just say, like, do something with this. Mm. Interesting. I, you know, I, I looked and it's not listed in the uh, the song credits at the end because um, I could not place the music. And I felt so stupid because I'd heard it a million times before. Hmm. Oh, I looked it up. No worries. <laughs> I, like, oh, I, I looked it up after. like basic cultural. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I felt very stupid because I'm like, I know this is Mozart. What the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, it's a very famous piece. I think I think I first ran across it in uh, Goosebumps. I think it's in uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's in one of those episodes. But yeah. Um, anyways, I, I, I guess I'm curious uh, since it came up briefly, Brian. I guess you said that for comfort movies, you kind of go to depressing stuff. Oh yeah, nearly um, constantly. Like for a while, my sick day movie was Shame. Um, you guys are fucked up. Like, like I said, I every once in a while. Dude, if I I'm, understand your exact tastes, and like, <laughs> if you've never met AA Dowd, my coworker, you really should because you guys really are on the same level. <laughs> I, have to, I have to have him on the show. Like those kind of movies make him feel really good. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, like, oh, like legitimately, like when when the when the anniversary of my friend's suicide is coming, I'm like, all right, it's time to start the leftovers again, <laughs> and yeah, then just I'm- watch that. And then on the day of, usually it's like, all right, I'm gonna have a fire, and then I'm gonna watch Manchester by the Sea while I drink a single <laughs> glass of whiskey. Oh, man, because I just need to, <laughs> like- I need to force out the emotions that my cold Irish blood won't let me actually feel. Okay. 
here's the thing. Like, I respect your level of intensity, and I like. <laughs> I identify with that, but I feel it in a totally different way where I need it to be a totally fictional kind of like crazy, surreal, fucked up thing. But I feel it just as intensely. And I, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> and it which also... may be why I like this movie, because it's like a totally fictional person, you know, a fantastic representation. Right. Of like, I don't intense feeling. I don't go to melancholia because, you know, for whatever reason, like the idea of a planet that we just never realized was out there going to come and hit us is just like too much for me. I guess as a Christian, the 2% of the world suddenly disappears makes more sense to me and I can wrap my head around that. But also the fact that like when the show starts, that's already happened. So you can insert in your brain <coughs> in your brain almost anything. Um but yeah, like I need I need a, a vaguely realistic or grounded situation. Yeah. But it also helps not just because it makes me sad, um, but because it helps me to feel as though other people have felt what I am feeling and understand it enough to put it into words. And then that makes it feel manageable. OK, mm. I, I, I got a question here. So I'm I'm. Looking on IMDb and uh, one of the headlines over here on the sidebar, and I, I've heard this mentioned recently as well uh, when I was scrolling through like the Rotten Tomatoes, like blurbs and stuff like that. Uh, it says Amy Simons accidentally made the first COVID era thriller. This is Thompson on Hollywood. I don't know. That's, if that's not true. It was Sea Fever, which came out in April. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What well, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know, Bill. You'd have to read the whole goddamn article. You can't go well, off a headline. This is claustrophobic, really, is what it means. It was the same thing with this movie Sea Fever, which came out in April, which mm-hmm. I saw Fantastic Best last year, and then it came out on BOD. And that's sort of a riff on the thing where it's a bunch of uh, people trapped on a boat and there's an infection. And that, you know, quarantine infection, that's timely, right? And so it... it I would argue that that is actually the first COVID related movie, but it's just those kind of themes. And this is also a claustrophobic movie about something that you just kind of randomly get and, and that's it. Well, here's the thing. Well, like what the way I view it is whenever transmit it, well, no, like whenever, whenever, whenever anything happens, the, (laughs) the world decides that everything must then relate to that thing. Yeah. So like Donald Trump gets elected president and the next month, before he's even sworn in, someone's like, this movie says so much about Donald Trump getting elected. And it's like, this movie was made two years ago. He hadn't mm-hmm. even entered the race yet. Shut up. Stop chasing SEO. You know? And like, so this, uh, a lot of that feels like this for me. Like, uh, like the this movie being like a COVID thriller. Like, sure. When you're in a state of like agitation over something, everything feels like it's about you. <laughs> And about what you're going through. So, like, yeah, you could say, like, well, yeah, you just have to talk to someone to doom them to death. Sure, that that works. Also, like, everyone's just kind of in their house budgetarily. Um, so, yeah, that also kind of makes sense. Um, well, but like, that being it's... said... No, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, that being said, I feel that, you know, an artist or someone who, you know, who could call themselves an artist should be ahead of the curve just enough 
in that mm-hmm. way where they can make things that later feel timely because you know like i said at the beginning this movie is probably she probably got the concept two three years ago right but i do think that there is something to people being just kind of ahead of the curve and i think those people usually tend to be artists i am surprised mm-hmm. that um the woman in the window the movie about the agoraphobe who doesn't like leaving their house wasn't released Hasn't just randomly yeah. because yeah, yeah. that feels like it could have been the first COVID era thriller. What happened to that movie? I remember uh, reading about it. <clears throat> it was supposed to come I out like last shelved. November. And I don't know if it's testing poorly or like if people are, cause the guy who wrote the book is apparently like a fraud and oh, stuff. Yes. So like, I don't know if it was a mix of yeah, like yeah. bad PR and also maybe the movie's not great, but it's by Joe Wright, who I know is not like universally beloved, but I tend to like his stuff. So even it's Pan, not, Pan, I like Pan. <laughs> Pan is a fun movie. I never watched it. I can't say anything about it. Like I like Hannah, you know, I like, I like stuff that he's made. I, I like I really, his pride. You like his pride? Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant just his own estimation yeah, of his own work. Pride and Prejudice is good. Um, I mean, I never saw Darkest Hour. Nosedive is a good uh, thing. Anna Karenina is one of my favorite movies the last 10 years. Atonement is a really good adaptation of what seems like it should be an unfilmable movie. I don't know. Joe Wright, I like. I mean, yeah, what happened to this movie? It's got Amy Adams. It's got Anthony Mackie. That alone makes me want to see it. I hope they're dating. Wyatt Russell's <laughs> in this. I hope he's part of their dating trio. And you got... <laughs> If they could be a thruple, that would be great for me. Uh, Russell, Russell's uh, the that's a Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, he was in yeah. that uh, uh, high school or not high school college baseball movie. Yeah, everybody, everybody wants, wants some. It was on, it was yeah. on uh, Lodge Thirteen, I think it's called on AMC. Oh yeah, I think it's just the Lodge, yeah. isn't it? Or I don't know, but yes, that yes. is a good show that has him in it. Even though I can't remember the name, he was also in that um, movie Overlord. Yeah, that mm. movie's real yeah. bad. <laughs> I did not see that movie. Maybe I'll watch it someday. Is this movie also is Brian Tyree Henry, Julianne Moore? I mean, like, I want to see this movie. There's a lot of good people Whoa. in here. That's Tyree Henry. I think it just got sold too. to Netflix. Damn. Okay. Anyway, um Katie, we... see, see Lodge forty nine. Lodge forty nine is the Wyatt oh, Russell. Lodge. Oh, okay. Sorry, what were we gonna say? Uh Katie, is Sea Fever good? I I did notice it's on a number yeah, of there's a couple okay. scenes in it that are uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, there are a couple scenes in it that are a little too close to the thing for my taste, but it's very okay. well. When Wilford Brimley is trying to run a blood test on everyone, that's when it seems real close. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I just I think about like how like um, you know Palm Springs came out and everyone was like, oh, it's a COVID movie because every day is the same. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I get, I sometimes get annoyed by like that. Cause it's like, you know, it doesn't, it can just be, Relevance. it doesn't have yeah. to be that thing. And this movie, honestly, the fact that you have to talk to someone face to face to make it a thing. It's like, that's more of like a pre COVID movie. <laughs> if it were Quarantine something. Quarantine would have saved these people. <laughs> no, that's a solid point. Actually. A haunted zoom call can destroy your life. That's a COVID movie. Yeah, it's it already exists. It's called Host. <laughs> it's oh, Shutter. really? <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's entirely on Zoom. I, I yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed it. It was definitely shot on Zoom. It's only an hour long, so it's you know a minimal investment. That's, that's good. Nice. Yeah, that's only three Frasers. Oh. 
oh, measuring boy. my time in phrases now. Let's, um, let's get out of here. <laughs> it's true. We do <laughs> have 10 minutes left. Um, yes, sir. Are there any, now that we've spent so much time talking about other stuff, uh, are there any final thoughts on this movie that we have talked about? She dies tomorrow. I think it's really funny that she quotes Albert uh, Camus. <laughs> oh, when Jane says that we're the only animals who pretend to be something yes. we're not? <laughs> yes, which is such a like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's it's the end of your life. So you're going to quote the most profound thing you can possibly think of. <laughs> also, apparently Albert Camus, Albert Camus never heard about that caterpillar that makes itself look like a snake. So birds don't eat it. What you think about that, Camus? Where's your stranger now? Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Wow, you really got him. I know. Um, I know. He's up in the heaven that he did not believe in, and he's just like, God, I'm just getting burned by this guy. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Um. So yeah. Uh, Katie, any final thoughts? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I really liked it. Like I said up top, I feel like it conveys a really specific emotion. And I think what I realized talking about it was that it's definite. Like if you like Jalo movies, you should watch this. Oh, I do like Jalo movies. That's the specific type of thing. Like I'm realizing to compare it to where it's really just more about, you know, like the music and the light and the camera angles more than it is necessarily about, you know, I'd say there's world building, but it's a lesson about the story, I suppose. Uh, this this movie would yeah. have benefited from some gloved hands strangling people, but yes, this, <laughs> I like it. Jeez. That actually does that makes a lot. The second you said that, I was like, oh my god, how did I not make that connection previously? So yeah. So that's it for our conversation on She Dies Tomorrow. Again, this movie is out on VOD now, so feel free to check it out. Um, that is it. Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? We are talking about The Lost World with... Uh, Excuse me, say the whole title. <laughs> we are talking about uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World? Is no, that please say it correctly. It's The Lost World, colon, Jurassic Park. Oh, fine. We are talking <laughs> about the lo- Steven Spielberg's The Lost World, Jurassic Park, with Bilga Ebiri, uh, who wrote a uh, defense recently of the film and why it's uh, it's very cruel. So I'm, I'm very excited to talk about that one with him. And we're calling it a classic episode just to make people mad. <laughs> <laughs> Skipping right over fucking the first one. Again, right. um, we do quantify as a classic literally anything that we did not talk about during its initial run on this podcast. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's how we roll. Okay, so look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. Don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage to get a free 30-day trial of Mubi. Um, again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found. In the meantime, we begin, of course, with our guest, uh, Katie Rafe. Where can people find you online? Uh, mostly on the AV Club, uh, kinja.com backslash Katie Rife is, I suppose, the best repository. I am not very good about promoting myself on Twitter, but uh, Rife with Katie is where I am on there. 
That is. This will be out this week, new. Katie. If you want to uh, boost any particular review or anything you you wrote, it will be up within the next uh, couple days. Well, what I'm working on. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm on. Uh, well, I'm working on a piece this week that's sort of about. Uh, I'm kind of trying to compare like the fetishism with VHS as a format. And hmm. kind of comparing it to early digital video because they're both kind of uh, formats that are defined by looking like shit, but people have a <laughs> fondness for them. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on. That should be running this weekend. I'm trying to, you know, read a lot of stuff about early Michael Mann movies, basically, because he, nice. he was all over TV when it mini DV when it sucked. Yeah, man, so, you got collateral. You got a. Uh, you got your Miami Vice. Public enemies. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, right after that's Inland Empire. Oh, Inland it, Empire oh, is such right. a good example yeah. of that. Yeah, man. So like, I'm kind of trying to figure go towards appreciating that as a thing in itself, but kind of proceeding from the place where I do think it kind of looks bad. <laughs> <laughs> and and I kind of built my. But here's the thing: I kind of built my whole. <sighs> It sounds so stupid to say I built my career, but I guess on uh, I used to do a lot of VHS found footage stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. With a group called Everything is Terrible. And so I definitely fetishized VHS in my way as like a grainy, shitty look. And we we're t- you, somebody mentioned, was that you, Michael, that mentioned Pulse earlier? Yes, I did. Yeah, I like there's something about movies like pulse that I think is sort of, um, I'm so sorry, you guys, I'm telling you all about the story. I'm writing. No, it's good. No, it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I just think that films like pulse capture that aesthetic in a certain, uh, it's sort of quintessential to it. Sort of like how like an 80s slasher movie is quintessential to VHS. Anyway, <laughs> that should be running on Friday or maybe Saturday. I'm, I'm going to look forward to that because a, a highlight yeah. of my memory um, when I realized that I thought about movies in a way that a lot of my friends didn't was when I screamed like a raving madman to anyone who would listen about the fact that Public Enemy was shot on digital video. <laughs> And they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, it made sense in Collateral. It's a contemporary <laughs> movie. But the fact that he's... Sh- <laughs> I was like, but the fact that he's shooting a period film with a digital... And I know that that doesn't make any sense yeah. because we've had movies about Christ and they didn't even have cameras back then. But, but for some reason, this choice. bothers me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of trying to learn to appreciate it, I guess. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Katie, are you going to talk about things like Terrifier then or some of those things that are very consciously trying to evoke some of that stuff in like very like fake ways, I guess? Is the well, I part. only have like two days to finish it. So okay. I just Sorry. have to look at it to stop. the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, Michael, stop <laughs> trying to pile <laughs> on. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of looking at the early 2000s as an aesthetic of film that, yeah, I don't know. Cool. We'll see if there's a VHS style nostalgia for it at some point. Yeah. All that right. Awesome. Bill Graham. 
yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet too much. Uh, you can find new pictures of the puppy uh, on my Instagram at Billstagram. And then uh, I'm going to try and start uh, posting on the Slack channel because I've been a little bit behind on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, what about yourself, Mike Snydell? Uh, you could find me on Twitter at, at Snydell Letterbox. I have a review of Sputnik, which is a, a pretty interesting uh, kind of horror sci-fi film out this week, and that'll be on the spool within the next couple days. Um, I already said the the next intermission is Antonio Campos's Christine with Cody Corral, but I will say the next one is. Um, Oh, no, I'm going to have to say it. Aleem Klimov's uh, Come and See with uh, Charlie Nash and William Willoughby. And uh, yeah, that's a hell of a film. And uh, I really thank William and Charlie did for talking about it. William actually talked about it specifically in context of uh, him being deployed and it being a a big film that he came back to at uh, really bad times in his life. As for myself, uh, you can find me on um, Twitter talking about how my daughter is obsessed with the movie Rango at Brian J. Rowan. <laughs> One of the Chinatown <laughs> next. <laughs> People kept saying like, well, now you got to show her high noon in Chinatown. And I was like, I just can't get her to stop watching Rango. <clears throat> I have an entire tweet thread that you, you all should look up where I talk about like, oh God, have I made a mistake? showing my daughter Rango um, in addition uh, more pictures of my daughter and the distillery where I'm working uh, where we just uh, transferred our rye whiskey into a rum barrel to finish it over at uh, Brian Jerome on Instagram and uh, something that I've written that's actually movie related that is a review which is rare and rare these days a written review from me uh, over at thefilmstage.com I have my review of David Ayer's The Tax Collector a much maligned movie that I think uh, is uh, more interesting, but not necessarily more good than a lot of people are saying. <laughs> and honestly, after watching that movie, I was like, God damn it. I wish we had time to talk about this on the podcast. because <laughs> I just need someone else to see it so I can like go over how insane it is. Um, I know some people who gave it zero stars. Are you interested in talking to them? Maybe. Because I just want to, when I see like zero stars, I'm like, but you remember the part where the, like, the movie starts off as like a training day light, but then turns into like a 1980s Chuck Norris action film. Like, you didn't find that to be at least worthy of consideration. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a weird movie. Well, you know, if anyone ever wants me to just explain the plot of the tax collector to them in a in a voice that sounds as though I can't believe what I'm saying. Just hit me up. I'd love to do it. Um, that's over at thefilmstage.com where you can find every episode, all 400 and some other odd number of this uh, here show. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time.